0: Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 268. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, Zapier, and FreshBooks. My name is Mike Hurley. I have returned, and I am joined by Mr. Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. You're not Scottish. No. But everybody <laughs> from the United Kingdom is just called English anyway, to, to the dismay oh, that's fair. of uh, poor people from Scotland. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks to James Thompson for filling in last week. It was a very fun episode. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, um, But I'm back now to, to wreak my uh, English form of havoc upon this episode. And uh, mm. hashtag snow talk question comes from David. And David said and says, because I listen to podcasts in the car these days, I've found that I sing a lot less. If there's no one else in the car, Jason, do you sing along to music? And if so, what is your preferred music to sing along to?
1: Um, The music that's playing in the car is the music that I sing along to. If there's music playing in the car and I'm alone in the car... So you don't you don't pick specific stuff? No. No, I'll sing along to anything. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Me too. And I do sing along and I love to sing. You're never in, in a car alone because you can't drive.
0: Yeah, but you, you know, music happens in places other than cars.
1: Okay, and you're uh, right, you're right. Whether I'm alone or with other people, I will sing because yeah. I enjoy singing. I'll sing along on a, when we were driving um, Jamie up to college and back. You know, I'm singing along when mm-hmm. there's music on the radio. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't do it as much as I used to because of podcasts. This is true, David. Absolutely true.
0: If you would like to send in a Snow Talk question to open a future episode of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snow talk and it will be captured into a spreadsheet. And I will talk about that spreadsheet a little later on in mm. today's episode. <laughs> a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up. Lots of follow-up, Jason. Lots of follow-up today. Um, we have in the past on this show, uh, spoke, or at least I in the past on this show, have spoken about folding phones. And uh, the first folding phone has become commercially available, which is the Samsung Galaxy Fold. Uh, I own one. And I gave my review of said device um, on episode 265 of Connected. Uh, which I recommend people go and listen to. Uh, it also includes our yearly uh, emoji guessing game, which is a lot of fun. Um, if you've never listened to Connected, this is a good episode to start it with is. because it it, is. it spans the breadth of what we do on that show. And if you do not like that episode, you will never like Connected. If you like that, you will like the show. Um, so there's two. It's a it's a good two, but double build. I
1: mean. I could argue that that if you like that episode, you may be disappointed that none of the upper other episodes is quite as much that as that episode is every year. Now. That's true. That's and, true. Because it's the Jeremy's now where where Federico's yes. guessing emoji, and that is incredibly entertaining. Mm-hmm. For so many also, reasons. you talked about the Galaxy Fold, which I I listened to some of. <laughs> oh, I think I just I think I just never finished. I think I never finished it. I don't think I got the whole thing, because then I listened to ATP, and they're like, oh, Mike said this. I'm like, did I hear that? Oh, maybe I didn't finish that it's episode. Because you,
0: you have such folding... Like, like Stephen, you have folding phone apathy, and you just tuned it out. It seems like if you're interested in space, you do not care about folding phones. That's the only corollary that it's, I've been it's able It's strange, because one so
1: day they'll probably use folding phones in space,
0: you would think. You, well, I would think, because I believe them to be the future, but... Uh, at least amongst my friends, I'm in the minority of that thought yeah. process. Yeah, no,
1: it's, it's, uh, I think it's all very interesting, and I'm glad somebody is going through this process of, of, uh, exploring the folding phone, and I'm glad it's not me.
0: I want to so be thanks. the person that can help the people inside of our little industry understand this type of technology yeah. in case it does come for us all, which I believe that it will. Mike, uh, so, uh go. Mike, good old Mike Valleyfold Hurley. Mm hmm. Thank you for remembering that, uh, Siri clip grading. You say, "What are you talking about, Mister Hurley? What is Siri clip grade- grading?" You may remember some weeks ago, we spoke about. Uh, oh, how can I help?
1: Uh. Stop!
0: <laughs> I grade that an F. I grade that Siri interaction an F. Uh, so Siri clip grading, you may remember, was the uh, it was a report from the Guardian about uh, Apple having contractors listening to Siri interactions. Um, well this an apple you and, like to go? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay. <sighs> <sighs> Ahoy telephone inter- interactions, we'll call them from, from uh-huh. here on out in the episode, because my technology yep. will, will, is refusing to play ball today. You may remember that this was the thing where Apple was sending uh, misfires like those uh, to uh, contractors to have them listen to, to grade them as to what type of interactions they were, whether they were right or not. And therefore, uh, people were having uh, their private conversations unbeknownst to them transmitted back to Apple for human beings to listen to. Apple initially tried to downplay this uh, and then ultimately said, yes, we were wrong. Uh, We are going to give this as an opt-in. The iOS 13.2 beta, which is available in the beta process right now, which brings with it the emoji and and other features, also includes this. Um, It gives you the option to opt in to making your audio clips of Siri requests available to Apple employees for grading. But it is worthwhile to remember that text transcripts are still sent no matter what. Opt-in, opt-out doesn't matter. Text transcripts are still sent. Um, and the only way to stop that is to disable Siri on your devices. And,
1: yeah. so yeah.
0: I'm still unsatisfied uh, with, uh, wholly with the, this response. Um, but at least it, they are providing an opt-in to the audio portion. Uh, I still think that sensitive information obviously can be transmitted back to Apple because... Text or audio doesn't make a difference, right? Like if you're saying something you don't want to have necessarily been heard, it can still be consumed by a human. Um, But at least, again, now these are Apple employees. Uh, And as I said at the time, and I still stand by this point, I'm not 100% sure why uh, customers of these products, no matter what they would like to do, must be included in making these products better. Um, it's it's right. an interesting form of technology, this, uh, where it's like, well, the only way we can do it is to is to listen or read the communication, where my my challenge would be every other form of technology we found ways around this, <laughs> right? Then, then forcing the customer to have their information used against them uh, or used for the benefit of the service. <laughs> And and I find it I find it wholly peculiar um, that that's the only seems to be the only way to solve this problem.
1: We're still waiting for a
0: HomePod update hey, too, right? Yes, like, the HomePod that, that still hasn't happened has received nothing, and also yeah, um, mm-hmm. Apple Watch Series One and Series Two have still not received WatchOS six. Right, these are uh, so let alone the features that have been pulled out of of iOS thirteen and more. Uh this is it. Jason, I want to tell you about a weird iOS thirteen bug that I've been having. Oh yeah. Pictures are deleting.
1: Oh no. Yeah. What pictures are deleting?
0: And where are they going? I have been uh so the main the main way that I've seen this happening so far is so I edit my photos in Visco and I save them to my camera roll and they just delete from the camera roll. I watch it happen. I open the camera roll and I watch the images disappear. So <laughs> That's great. Creepy. I don't know if photos that I'm taking this is happening to either, but uh, I'm seeing it happening to images that I'm saving and I've checked in both places, you know, like I've checked in like uh, the photos tab and like the albums tab in all photos, right? To see like, is mm-hmm. it assigning dates to them or whatever? Nope. They are just gone.
1: They will just. I delete. used to have a, th- a thing that I haven't seen in a while now where I would take some photos while on the lock screen. Mm hmm. And then I would I would unlock the phone and switch to the photos app, and the the pictures I took wouldn't be there. I I think I
0: have. I mean, I, I I'm doing this by memory, but I believe I have had at least one instance on iOS 13. Uh, I think it was the first time I noticed this, where I was trying to take a picture and it wouldn't. It just wouldn't save. Um, but now it's <laughs> yeah. But now it is these. I, I had it. I've had it multiple times now, where it's just like, well, so what? Um, am I living in a situation now? Is isn't even a cloud based thing? Like where I'm just watching images disappear. Right? And I'm not not super thrilled about that one. So I'm gonna I will report it's... back on that, Jason.
1: Okay. There's some advanced machine learning that's going on that's being <laughs> analyzed. Analyzing those photos, and they're like, mm-mm. Poor no. edit, Mike. Poor edit. Not I dis I reject your approach. I was thirteen, yeah, that's is not just good. terrible.
0: It's been very bad. It really it's just it doesn't seem to be getting better. They keep pushing out updates and there are still so many problems and so many features that haven't shipped. And I don't like to be that guy, right? Like I try to be optimistic. I don't think this is the worst version of iOS. I think people f- forget iOS 7 when they say that, or iOS 8, <laughs> which were, for bugs, way worse. Um, and I mean, iOS 13 may bear itself to be the worst, right? Like iOS 7 and 8 have bugs the whole way through the cycle. And I am like hoping that Apple will somehow... F- I out thirteen, um, but thirteen is not good, especially when you compare it to the stability of iOS twelve. It's a shame. Um, more follow up. and Jack worked out that NFC enabled bank cards can be used to create Siri automations. How awesome of is that? I can. Isn't that great? I just wouldn't have thought about it. So you can. Scan your bank card. Trigger an automation. Sure. I, you know, I don't know what you might want to do that for, but like, go for it. Like, but my thinking on this is, you've been thinking, why is this important? Well, if you have a, a bank card that has a contactless chip in it, and you've just been wondering to yourself, like, what could I do? Like, you want to try out NFC triggering of shortcuts. Um, this would allow you to do that as opposed to buying yeah. stickers or whatever. It's just like as a way stickers, to see right. what that's all about. If you just want to test it uh then this is a way this is a way to do that. So yeah. This is also
1: if you have any of those like uh you know Nintendo uh amiibos Amiibo. or mm-hmm. yeah they, they all have the little chips in them that yep. because all it's doing is it's reading these NFC tags, it's just reading a unique Identifier serial number of some kind, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when it sees that particular serial number, it will run an automation of your choice. That's how that works. So yeah. it's not Nothing magical here, but uh, if you have other objects that have NFC in them, then, yeah, you can try it out. You can bring a little uh, Yarn Yoshi with you and mm-hmm. scan it when you need to do something, I guess.
0: Jason? Uh-huh? I have an iMac Pro in front of me right now.
1: Are you on it? Are you using it right now? I'm
0: using it right now. This so is the first show I've recorded on it. And did
1: you have you ever used Mojave before?
0: No, this is the first time I've been on Mojave. So that is it, right? So I bought this iMac Pro so I could skip Catalina. Um, I wanted a new machine. And I've wanted one for a while. I've been using my iMac since 2015. and I wanted to upgrade. I have a family member who's desperately in need of a computer. So it was like the perfect time for me. Um, and I wanted to get an iMac Pro before I was forced, I should say, to uh, use Catalina. Because I, I, I don't like to be on the most recent version. Of macOS, I like to be a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, inca- I don't want to be the first to encounter a bug, right, on a machine that is purely for producing podcasts. <laughs> That's all, I just you want, want to be the last a- to
1: encounter that bug,
0: or <laughs> the last. But you know what I mean by being on the cutting edge? It's like, well, there, here's an edge case you've just stumbled yourself into.
1: No, oh, this is the ar- the production machine argument, which is that yeah. that if you've got something that you're relying on to do your job, then rushing headlong into new. Software versions is uh, probably a bad idea, and Mm -hmm. we always our production machines for our design and uh, copy editing staff at IDG were always a step, at least one step behind, because again, you know they they needed to be rock solid and working on you know whatever we were publishing and not toying around with new stuff. So they, they upgraded very carefully. Yeah. So, okay, uh, you know, from Relay FM, this is Mike's iMac Pro review and Mike's Mojave review. Oh, boy. How's it going? Well, I mean, <laughs> I've been using it for the best part of an hour at this point. Well, I've set the machine
0: uh-huh. up, right? Like, the machine's been set up. I've been doing that over the last couple of days, getting it to where I wanted it to be and this is the first time i've really sat down to do anything with it um i haven't really put the iMac for its paces yet i did want to i was just wondering like how much faster are the typical things that i'll do and i've noticed like things like forecast marcos tool that uh will encode audio runs way quicker but the biggest thing that i've noticed is that the iMac is completely silent
1: yeah right yeah, so
0: things that would make my 5k iMac start screaming which was forecast was definitely one of them um, I'm on the iMac Pro, nothing, no noise. Um, yep. I really, genuinely, this is so stupid, but a space gray iMac is a significant improvement. It's much nicer to look at. Uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> I think it looks lovely. It's different. Uh, I'm using dark mode on Mojave, which I am not sold on, but I'm trying out. Uh, dark mode on the Mac is much inferior to dark mode on iOS. Uh, everything looks weird and ugly. And there are way more apps that don't support it, and mm-hmm. it's very strange. Um, so I'm not I'm not sold on that yet either. Uh, I used to use increased contrast, uh, which is a setting in in on the Mac, which it kind of just draws some like darker lines around elements in inside of macOS, which I have enjoyed. I had to turn that off because it's terrible <laughs> in dark mode, <laughs> um, and. I have been so. I want. I want to know if you can help me. I have a a, a persistent badge on
1: settings now. <laughs> I have uh, so you you. <laughs> it's telling you to upgrade to Catalina, right? Yes. I have just the thing for you. Um, okay. Uh, who but my good friend Rob Griffiths, who worked at MacWorld for many years and does many tricks now. Who and, and of course Mac OS 10 hints. Who but Rob, who is a cranky guy who does not want to be told to upgrade and does not want to be bugged? Uh, would post a blog post telling you how to remove the Catalina guilt trip, as he calls it, <laughs> from Mojave. It's a great post. I, I, you got to know Rob and know that he's just a cranky guy, and and he says stuff like, "I have no plans to move my Mac to Catalina," right? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and it's true. I mean, he's got stuff that will break. Um, and and there's some terminal commands you can put in that will basically say ignore. Uh, Catalina updates, and that will go away, and hmm. and there is still a little persistent uh, flag that gets generated, and he's got a little script that he also that if you really want to kill it, you can put this little script in, and uh, and it will always suppress the uh, the little alert flag. So we'll put a yeah. link in the show. Notes I would say for to, me, uh, Rob's blog post.
0: The only thing that I find frustrating is the one on on settings because yeah. I have lived throughout the whole of High Sierra being asked to upgrade to Mojave, right? So like I already got that for, like I can get used to my Mac telling me that there are updates and then I could just ignore them. Do that every day. Um but
1: uh, also just like leave me alone, Macintosh. Yeah. Just leave me alone. Yes. Please. Yeah, that that's the part that really bothers me is that there's no user uh intervention step to just say do not bug me. Any more about this? Like, I'll do it when I want to. And it's just like, no, no, no. You hey, Update, update, update. But you can, it can be suppressed. So you should probably follow Rob's uh, various steps and, mm-hmm. and get that, that flag completely out of there. Yeah, I'm That's, going to I'm doing that on my server is the same story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my server is not going to Catalina. It's going to run Mojave for ever, probably. And so I want to turn all that stuff off. And I don't use it, you know, the interface of it every day. But I I want it all to be just gone because I want to park it for, you know, on Mojave for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so. Um... I love the iMac Pro. Marco loves the iMac Pro. Steven loves the iMac Pro. Like, welcome to iMac Pro Club. Thank you. Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations and welcome. And um, uh, my other question for you is how many cores did you get? Did you get the base model or did you get a custom with more I got a custom. Uh,
0: I don't know if I got more cores, though i got the 3.2
1: gigahertz Intel Xeon W. How do I know okay. how many
0: cores I have?
1: Uh, if you go to the Apple menu, it yep. looks like a little apple. It's in uh-huh. the corner. You choose uh-huh. about this Mac. Don't do this to me, Jason. I'm looking at that right now. Don't make it out like I don't know and, this. And I've it been says, using the it, Mac it, for like nearly, pff, I don't know how many years,
0: 15 years at this point? I
1: don't know. Yeah, I know. All right. So now that now you've got a window that mm-hmm. says Mac OS Mojave. And uh, it says iMac Pro 2017, and it says processor. Mm-hmm. What does the processor say? That's what I just said. 3.2 gigahertz Intel Xeon W. It doesn't say how many cores? No. Oh, well, that must be a new feature of Catalina then, because Catalina tells me I have eight cores. Uh,
0: I have eight cores. I went into the hardware section on system report. Oh,
1: hmm. System report, that's even deeper in there. Yep. Now you're a power user. But I got
0: I got two terabytes of storage. Um yeah, and right. I I upgraded the RAM. I think I got like 16
1: gigabytes of RAM.
0: No, sixty-four oh. gigabytes of RAM. Sorry. Sixteen back. wasn't a lot. Sixty four wow. gigabytes of RAM in this machine. That's great.
1: James Thompson, also a member of the iPad the iMac uh, Pro Club. This is yeah. like everybody's doing it. Everybody finally, finally you have so welcome to the iMac Pro and welcome to Mojave, I guess. Thanks. This is uh you know twenty eighteen called and congratulates you on your computer. Well, you know.
0: I know, I know. And, and I know this machine is at risk of being updated, right? But uh, sure. this is much more powerful than what I had. I was Absolutely. very happy. For, I was very happy with what I had. Like, I, I wasn't feeling
1: any issues. Right. And you don't want to get boxed into Catalina. Yeah.
0: And I don't want to be on Catalina. Um, I yeah. just It's just not where I want to be right now. Because I have always, I've been skittish of this for years, years I have, it has been since I have updated uh, on day one to macOS. Um. But even amongst my friends who always do, they're not this time or are advising against it this time. So I definitely don't want to, to be on the Catalina train right now. Yeah.
1: I know you don't want to be uh, there. It's a place you don't want to be. But I'll just say the uh, the high temperature today on uh, Catalina, 28C. Okay. 83F. It's beautiful, sunny, warm day. So maybe you do want to be there.
0: Catalina is a place, you know. I'm it is a place. I, That's I'm what I'm getting about. at. Is it's a. Place they're not just systems
1: anymore, kids. They're also places. And and it's and and yet it's still a cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why mm-hmm. do they do this to us? Mm-hmm. After all those cats, they're like no more cats, and then they're like, well, surprise, Catalina Catalyst. This cat's called
0: Lena, and it's coming mm-hmm. for your uh, then, thirty-two bits.
1: And this cat's called List uh, Casey List. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't do, don't give that to him. He doesn't need something else. I withdraw my comment.
0: Uh, So the last piece of follow-up today, Photoshop for iPad. Remember that?
1: Uh, (laughs) A year ago, I believe, we heard about that.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. There's a report on Bloomberg. The app is nearing launch, but uh, beta testers are reporting that there are many well-established features that are missing. So I'll give a couple of quotes from the article. (sighs) uh, Users complained about less advanced or missing features around core functionality like filters, the pen tool, custom paintbrush libraries, vector drawing, color spaces, raw editing, smart objects, layer styles, and certain options for mask creation are some of the missing features. Uh, Bloomberg spoke to Scott Belsky of Adobe, who Scott loves to give a quote. Um, and Scott said, the, the beta the beta feature set won't represent... Oh. I know, I was infected by James. James is
1: making you say beta again. Uh, beta feature. The ba- <laughs>
0: it's because the word feature was after. I don't call it feature. Nobody does. The beta feature set won't re- represent the final version <laughs> for consumers. And the need to collaborate with Apple meant that a lot of features are coming in hot ahead of the launch. What does that mean, Scott Belsky? Well, I don't know what that means. What are you doing? You're doing it again, I, aren't you, Scott? I, you're saying I things feel, you shouldn't
1: be saying. I feel like Scott's basically saying that iOS 13 is a mess and so their features are a mess. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels to me. Or maybe even that there are things that weren't in the betas that or betas features in the betas that they couldn't <laughs> um, that they needed to use. Uh, to make it work, and and they had to wait for Apple to fix the bugs that they're throwing. He's throwing uh, Apple um, under, under the, bus. the bus a little bit here, Scott Belsky. At launch, says Scott,
0: Photoshop will still lack some familiar features, but that will only represent version one of the product.
1: I don't really know what to All take right. away from this. So, I, I the problem is okay. First off. It's obvious that if they're bringing Photoshop to iOS and to the iPad, that it's not going to be exactly what's on Mac and Windows, right?
0: Yeah, because I feel like at the time, we even thought, this is like Final Cut when Final Cut changed over, right? From 7 to to 10.
1: Right. This is going to be real Photoshop, but I always assumed real Photoshop would be, you know, we're rebuilding Photoshop for the iPad, I did not assume every single feature would be there or, and and also it's less advanced or missing less advanced being a code. I think sometimes for doesn't do it exactly like I'm used to doing it, which is not necessarily different is not necessarily less advanced. Sometimes it is sometimes it's not. So it's not surprising that this Photoshop on the iPad is not identical to the one that people are used to on Macs and PCs. It's not surprising. Um, it's a little disappointing because it does sound like they made this announcement and now it's more than a year later and they're still not shipping Mm -hmm. Um, that. I think we all hoped that they would ship it and then iterate on it. And they still haven't gotten to the point where they can ship it. And, you know, Scott here is sort of suggesting that's Apple's fault, which is interesting. Um, But he's also, I think maybe setting expectations. I think there's a little bit of like, um, you know, I I think important to set expectations of like, it's not going to be, exactly what you know it's going to be a work in progress adobe has shown actually uh, a lot of ability to iterate rapidly with updates that's one of the nice things about them having a subscription service now and you're in creative cloud is they just push out new versions with new features and they just keep doing it and there's something kind of nice about that so i i believe that they can iterate on on this so i am disappointed because you know, in the broad scheme of things, I think we had hoped that we would have gotten it sooner and there would maybe be a little bit more time by now to iterate on this. But at the same time, I'm not surprised even a little bit because they are rebuilding Photoshop for iPad and it's not going to be every feature there at launch. It's just not. And that, that was an unrealistic assumption, I think, that some people made. So I'm sure. So so beta testers are complaining. I'm You know, not surprised surprised. in the least about. I
0: am much more keen, and and we don't have a sense of this yet. I don't think of. I want to know what it does. How well does it do it? That's what I care about more, right? Like of the features that are on are in this application. How good is this app? You know, do you see what I'm saying? Right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't care about what features aren't in there right now. If they're important enough, they'll find their way into the software. But what is currently in the product? How well does it do it? And um, we'll find out. The good thing is, like, and the way that I see it, is, like, it's better than when Final Cut launched because this isn't replacing anything. Right. This is brand new. It's
1: it's brand new. Nothing's being taken away. Also, it's their intent that Photoshop then lives on iPad and they'll continue to iterate it. And that's good for iPad users who like Photoshop because they will get these things over time. Photoshop,
0: at least from Adobe's standpoint, like, you pay every month for it, so they can keep iterating on it. Right, it's yeah. not like a, a developer who's like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make the competitor for Photoshop. but It's gonna cost you five dollars, and then everyone downloads it, hates it, and then nobody uses it ever again." You know, it's, it's not like that. So, so that was a lot of follow up, but that is the end of yeah. follow up today. And we have lots and lots and lots and lots of upstream headlines, and they're basically all to do with
1: our friends at Apple. Yeah, it's uh, true, it's true. Uh, but does that end the beta segment? Segment, <laughs> yeah, or is it a beta? format i don't know i'm just trying to think of other words we can mispronounce uh, okay there, there are none uh <laughs> <that's> the, <laughs> i think this you're episode wrong.
0: is brought to you by zapier growing a business is hard work especially when you're spending hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets and all over the place and wouldn't it be easier if all this stuff just worked together without you lifting a finger that is what Zapier is all about. It is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter to you the most. You don't have to waste time thinking, oh, what I, how am I going to do about this? How am I going to do this? You can just automate these tasks. That's what Zapier is built to do. If you work in sales, for example, Zapier can let you instantly work with leads and send them to a CRM or a spreadsheet uh, that you can then have all of your team notified so everybody can act fast on a new opportunity. Whatever your business is, you can find and build the solution that you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. It has more than uh, 1,500 business applications that are supported with Zapier. It says it's is no wonder when more than 4.5 million people are saving 40 hours a month using Zapier, including me, so I mentioned earlier that I would be referencing the spreadsheet that collects all of our hashtag, uh, ask upgrade, and snow talk questions. They're all brought into Zapier. So, Zapier is looking for those hashtags and any tweet that has those hashtags puts it into a spreadsheet in Google Sheets, which is formatted just the way that I want. It can pull out the name of the person from Twitter, put that in there, give me a link as well if I want it. Uh, but there's so many other things that I use Zapier for as well. So, um, we use FreshBooks, and FreshBooks has the ability to create a feed. Uh, of when people are like our clients are logging in and checking their invoices and stuff like that onto our system I've got a uh, zapier automation so every time there is some uh, something's happening in freshbooks it pipes it into a channel on our slack so I don't so I can see all of that there as well so I use zapier for a bunch of stuff that's just some of the uses um, and there are millions of things you can do. You can integrate so many applications in so many weird and wonderful ways. It's awesome. Uh, right now through November, you can try out Zapier for free by going to zapier.com slash upgrade. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash upgrade for your 14-day free trial. Go there now, check it out. It's going to save you so much time. Once again, zapier.com slash upgrade. Thanks to Zapier for their support of this show, Relay FM, and for making my time that little bit more easy. Upstream time, Jason Snell. Oh, boy. Lots of Apple TV Plus news. We are hurtling towards November
1: 1st. Yeah, we're in it now, right? I mean, it's it's the end of next week is is when this all goes down.
0: Oh, you know what? I wanted to give a little bit of a, a bit of feedback from last week's episode where you um, and Uh-oh. James were talking about Apple and China. It was, good. it was all good. And it was kind of just reminded me <laughs> you, you, of... You touched a bullet there, didn't you? Uh, uh, well... Maybe I could just say what I think now. So, okay. like, I could just take the bullet about the entertainment stuff. Um, was kind of just like it doesn't, it doesn't that particular thing doesn't necessarily bother me because the entertainment is being made for the world, right? Like, what is right in one country might not be right in another country. Apple doesn't necessarily have to make content only meets the american standard right it's kind of one of the things that i was i was thinking about anyway and i say that as someone sure. coming from the uk right we have different standards around language for sure um and, and what is right and what is wrong um and i understand that it's mixed up in you're looking at a very different world view in china right and an authoritarian state makes things very different and i'm um, that is like it's a, a real mess, but the idea of like them of of companies tailoring content so it performs well in different markets that doesn't that doesn't bother me, right? I think people got are getting up in arms about that specific thing because of all of the other terrible things that are happening around China right now, right? So that was my thinking on that one because as you and James rightly said, like this has been happening in Hollywood for a long time now, right? right. Because you got a billion people there, right? Like. It would be irresponsible. But anyway, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to pander to countries, but not offending people isn't always the worst thing in the world anyway. I don't know. But one of the things that I was reminded about when listening to that uh, was kind of a thing that I've been saying for a while. When I first said it, people were really upset at me about like Apple as an entertainment company, different company, very different company. This is another example of that and is just another example of why Apple is an entertainment company. And we are now all accepting this. Very different company, doing very different things. A lot of it we talk about in the afternoon segment. That was what I wanted to uh-huh. say. Okay, But anyway, there's a lot going on. So Apple have launched their own in-house studio to create new shows. So they don't have that right now. So all of Apple's content, they're working with a bunch of partners to create it, right? They're working with people who write the scripts. They're working with companies that do the casting. They're working with companies that will actually create the programming that is not them. But they have now launched their own in-house studio to create new shows. The first of which is a follow-up to HBO's Band of Brothers pretty interesting one to start with. Uh, it's called Masters of the Air. It's going to be produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Um, Van Amberg and Ehrlich, the two people from Sony, that Apple hired to run their Apple TV Plus project. They are going to be in charge of this new studio, which will create this show as its first product. Um, Masters of the Air will be written by John Orloff, who worked on Bounder Brothers.
1: Yeah, this is It's an interesting story because HBO stopped doing these because they felt that, you know, uh, the price of these expensive things, Band of Brothers and The Pacific, and you know, actually, I think From the Earth to the Moon kind of falls in this category. There's a, the series of these big, budget HBO miniseries. Um, they were offset, at least in part, by DVD sales. And as DVD sales fell off, HBO felt like it was no longer as good an investment for them to do them. So this this third World War II related miniseries was pitched and HBO turned it down and it sort of has sat there. And it's interesting to see that in today's streaming dynamic world, Apple looks at that and says, yeah, I'll have that. Um, and is happy to spend the money because for them, they're not worried about recouping dvd sales or whatever they're, they're they want prestige content for apple tv plus so interesting how that the the sands have shifted there
0: because if there's one thing hbo doesn't care about anymore it's prestige television well right? you know <laughs> well, this, is, this is the
1: funny thing this is the funny thing right is like i think the i think the situation on the ground has probably shifted for hbo too yeah but apple got there got back to them about this and maybe HBO has moved on or maybe I, I don't know what the story is. maybe they weren't thinking about it and, and uh, or maybe their budget just doesn't, doesn't fit for something like this, a miniseries like this, but um it works for Apple, apparently. So it's definitely prestige stuff with the the imprint of the people who brought you Band of Brothers and the Pacific.
0: And Nice Shyamalan has been working on a project um, and not a lot have been known about it. Uh, it now has a, a name and a premise um, and a release date. So it's called Servant. Uh, it is a horror show debuting on November 28th. Uh, I will read you uh, the premise taken from a Verge article. Servant follows a couple in Philadelphia as they hire a nanny to look after a therapy doll they're using to cope with their loss of a child. Uh, Strange things start to happen as the nanny enters their lives. The entire show takes place in one location, which Shyamalan says gives the show a more play like feel. Um, I have a couple of things about this. One, this is not a show that I want to watch um, (laughs) because, yes, it's too scary. But also, and we've got a couple of topics that we're going to be talking about today, which, which go along this line so we can get into it now or in a minute, um, that this content is darker, maybe, yeah. than people were expecting. Um, and actually, I will I will give the, the, the second piece of news that we're going to talk about along this line, and we can talk about that in a little bit more detail, because Apple is also previewing their shows to the TV industry right now. Um, and I saw this tweet from Stephen Weintraub of Collider stating that episode three of C features, quote, level of violence he was not expecting from Apple uh, and goes on to say uh, it was kind of like a holy poop moment uh, when uh, Stephen saw how violent this episode was. So this uh, goes into talking about this is the thing we've spoken about so much in the lead up to this as have been many reports about Apple won't accept this, Apple won't accept that. I think that these two pieces of news show that maybe some of this was wrong. There are things that Apple won't accept, but violence and, and gore and adult themes, maybe not so much.
1: Yeah, this will play, I think, interestingly, with the people who have been uh, reading about expensive NBC, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that Apple is sort of a network TV level standards body. Um, and based on this sort of thing, maybe i think this actually will be beneficial to apple potentially when it's making deals for the next round you know the, its next set of deals because it's actually one of the impediments apple has had to doing um, deals with people is that nobody knows what apple tv plus is nobody knows what's on it nobody knows what it feels like nobody knows the standards of it and this Launch gives Apple a chance to not just impress upon the world, like, here's Apple TV Plus, but it lets it turn around to people who in Hollywood who are like, I don't even know what this thing is. So why would I make a deal with it? And say, Here's what it is. Do you want to be involved? And depending on how it goes, that could be um, really good for them. And this is an example of that, where if somebody has a concept and they're like, Oh, I can't take this to Apple because they're not going to want it. And then they see that episode of C or they see the M. Night Shyamalan uh, show, then they might think twice about uh, writing Apple off. So it will be interesting to see how Apple uh, threads the needle here, how they communicate it, how they label it. And maybe it was much ado about nothing and sort of grumpy people who were told to tone something down. But um, it got generalized beyond what it really was. We'll see. Because it may have been one of those things where it was like they
0: wanted a specific project to be different, right? And I'm thinking of the uh, cancelled Richard Gere project with uh, Vietnam veterans who were becoming vigilantes
1: right yeah or or the amazing stories like the amazing stories thing because we've talked a lot about how all of these streamers want to have want to cover their bases and do kid stuff Mm -hmm. and appeal to families and also appeal to adults and they want to cover it all and i imagine people who are involved in that amazing amazing storage project which was originally going somewhere else and then um nbc but see again, I, I said it. NBC originally aired it. it. It was a family-friendly thing. Apple comes in and looks at what the stories are that the the execs running that show want to tell, and I think basically goes to Steven Spielberg and said, "This isn't the amazing stories we we wanted, and that we bought. We want the we want the bright, optimistic one, like the one that you had back in the '90s." And those people left. Now I could see those people saying this is exactly nbc right they want nbc at apple tv plus but doesn't necessarily mean that's true it means that amazing stories was one that they had tabbed as being more of a family viewing you know and i'm just guessing here but a family viewing experience and that may not be true for some other show but in the press you know those are the people who come out complaining and it becomes this narrative about it so the the truest response to that narrative from Apple's perspective is probably to release shows that show that it's not true.
0: Apple have uh got some new content and been winning some bids. The first is for a musical version of a Christmas Carol featuring Will Farrell and Ryan Reynolds.
1: Interesting. This is and this is a, a film. Yep. It, unclear whether it will get a uh a premiere in theaters. I, I assume they're they're premiering most things in theaters, but this sounds very much like a uh holiday twenty twenty project. Yeah, which don't is expect it this it, year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're they're yeah. producing it, they're producing it, and um, but also starring in it, and so they they would be starring in it, and and it's a musical, and you know, I would imagine if they're going to do a theatrical release, they'll do a small theatrical release, and then also drop it on their service so that mm-hmm. people can watch it next uh, next Christmas. So that seems like some fun, right? Like maybe uh,
0: just like some easy viewing. Uh, Let's compare this to. Singing Will Ferrell. (laughs) An overall deal that they have scored with Alfonso Cuarón for a multi year project to develop new TV projects. Yeah. And this is interesting because,
1: like J.J. Abrams, when we talked about him and he ended up signing with Warner, um, J.J. Abrams used to have two deals. He used to have a movie deal and a TV deal. Mm -hmm. And this is like that, where uh, Alfonso Cuarón. Now that he's in business with Apple, it's possible that Apple will be interested in making deals for individual movies from him. But he does not have an overall deal with Apple for movies. But he no. does for TV development. So it's it's a and
0: his movie deal is a non-exclusive deal as well.
1: Right with with uh, with anonymous content. So he he can go all over for that. But he gets basically Apple is writing Alfonso Cuarón a check to say make some shows for us because we like the way you think. And that's also interesting, right? Because his his uh his movies are very stylish and some of them are, are are uh are harder edged. Um but he's a super, super smart guy and I would imagine that he's surrounded by other really talented people. And I would love to see some T V mm. um from the mind of, you know, children of men and gravity and, and Roma, of course, which was a, a Netflix, Netflix movie that yep. was beautiful and amazing. And if people haven't seen it, they should see it. It's gorgeous.
0: But did Roma win an Oscar?
1: It did not. I think it was nominated for many. I'm not sure it won any. I don't recall. Okay. Um, it, it didn't win Best Picture, but it, 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 it's really good. And it did get many, many nominations. Oh,
0: no, it won Best Foreign Language Film.
1: Oh yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. But it was also nominated for best picture and it didn't win that. Yeah. And it won best director. Cuaron was best director and best cinematography, which he shot it too. So he won both of those. So yeah, it did win some Oscars, just not the, uh, not the big one and is an amazing movie. So anyway, he's that, that guy is now gonna try to come up with some TV shows. Apple And again, it will probably be he will work with collaborators. He will direct maybe the pilot episode. <laughs> um, I doubt it's going to be one of these things where he directs every episode and writes every episode and shoots every episode, right? It's He's going to be doing that for films. But a lot of times what happens in these prestige TV projects is you'll get a prestige director, especially if he's also the producer of it, um, to do the pilot. And it's not just shooting an episode when you direct a pilot, it's also defining what the show looks like. And then what they do is they hand that off to other directors who will presumably be directors that Alfonso Cuaron knows or will cultivate um, to, and they'll be excited to work with him. And they hand it off and say, you know, this is what the show looks like and sort of like shoot it like Alfonso shot episode one. Um, So there's a lot of creativity that he can pour into the beginning of the process, working with collaborators without him being like super hands-on on on the whole thing. So it it potentially uh, a very interesting deal for Apple to get him again. You just kind of want to have really talented people around you when you're launching something like Apple TV plus.
0: This is a super weird one. Jason Sudeikis will be reviving his character, Ted Lasso in a series written by scrubs creator, Bill Lawrence, Lasso was a fictional football, British football, soccer coach, uh, that was used to promote NBC's Premier League coverage in 2013.
1: Yes. They were really great ad spots. (laughs) They were amazing. I remember them. A show about this, I don't even know what that is. Like They made a Geico Caveman show. It didn't go well, so who knows? But Jason Sudeikis is is really smart. Bill Lawrence is great. Mm -hmm. Scrubs... Uh, Cougar Town, I think, is also one he has. Uh, really good uh, writer, producer. And the and characters brilliant. The premise, the the premise is, is, is it's, an American, yeah. it's an American football coach who gets hired to manage an English football club, even though he has no experience with that sport, because mm-hmm. same name, different sport. And uh, it's funny. So um, will they be able to do a
0: show? I don't know. But I really like this. Just follow me here on this chain. So Apple has uh they have they are creating a show where the character was created on nbc uh-huh. this show is being produced for apple by warner brothers
1: uh-huh that is a wild ride there is a lot <laughs> can, going on in there can you know cbs get in there somewhere <laughs> Does abc slide on in there and part of the but production process can to they shoot is, it
0: who owns the ip of this character
1: it's a good question it's a good maybe question sudeikis maybe sudeikis does which is just weird right like
0: why it, doesn't nbc super in it like i don't understand but
1: but there you go maybe jason sudeikis went to whoever bought this thing and said i'd like to develop this into a series mm-hmm. and bought Old you know character. made a deal with yeah. them and they get cut in for some percentage and so maybe nbc gets a little piece of this too i would imagine so but i really like because i really like this, story.
0: The, the the characters is hilarious so um i'm i'm looking for i think that there isn't a lot yeah. of uh comedy on the, apple tv I, plus
1: i agree um And also, I love these kinds of shows where it's a fish out of water Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you're trying to uh, understand cultural differences. And that leads to a lot of uh, comedic potential as well. And you see it in a bunch. Lily Hammer on Netflix was like that. Um, There was an NBC sitcom that was co-produced with a Swedish broadcaster called Welcome to Sweden that was actually Amy Poehler's brother. Um, that was really funny. Um, I like shows like that with the the collision of of cultures, and and that could potentially be what this is, and that that would be funny. So, you know, but then again, it could be the Geico Caveman show. So, no, no, nobody get too excited about it.
0: And finally, in Apple TV Plus news, For All Mankind has been renewed for a second season. Jason, can you
1: explain no. this? Because that seems peculiar, yes. right? Well, this happens. This happens sometimes where that like Apple's seen it. Apple's seen all of For All Mankind, right? Apple knows how they feel about it and that they want to continue in business with Ron Moore and it wasn't a disaster, right? Obviously, they liked it and they want to do more. I would also say that based on some of the stuff that I've read, Apple originally planned to launch this a lot sooner, the the service. Mm -hmm. And some of these shows have to be renewed because generally in these TV contracts, there's a drop-dead date uh, after which the show's um, actors and stuff get released from their contracts. So you can't keep them around forever. At some point, you need to say, yes, we're ordering more or no, we're canceling you. And so I'm going to guess that Apple liked it and Apple wanted to proceed. And also at some point, Apple can't wait because they have to give an okay and let them start production of a second season. Also, if this goes well, they want that second season to be available, let's say next fall. And if they wait too long, it's going to be two years before they get a second season of right, For All Mankind. Right, right. So this is part of the part of the risk reward calculation here is um, you you know they didn't give it a two season commitment like they did to the Morning Show, where they they bought two seasons up front. But still, like if it if it's going okay and you like what you're seeing, you know, you really need to move ahead with a second season uh, as soon as you can because it takes a long time to make TV. And uh, I mean, I, I
0: I still think this I think this is going to be the the standout for all mankind.
1: I'm very excited about yeah. it, and the more I've read about about their plan, there was an article um, I forget where it was that that was just this week about um, how they took you know, reporters behind the scenes back in the, the winter to uh, see them shooting some of this stuff and they talked to Ron Moore. And part of Ron Moore's pitch for this show is that he has seven seasons of it ready to go. He knows knows where this story goes. And what's intriguing about that is season one, now we know from that story, it's the first time I've definitively heard this, that story, season one takes place in the late 60s and early 70s. But the idea is that they will continue with the timeline. So you'll see, you start from this one point in history being different and how it changes everything. And then you just kind of keep going with that story over the course of... Uh, over many seasons and then over the course of presumably decades into the future, which is uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's good. That's the one that I'm most excited by far to see because I love uh, I love the space stuff. So I'm really excited. And the, the story I read said that they did a great job of replicating um, mission control, which is good. cool because Stephen Hackett and I were just at the real one. Which was just restored, and apparently, while that was going on, they were also building an identical mission control as a set for for all mankind.
0: Uh, I have two pieces of HBO Max news, and then we can uh, we can round out uh, upstream for this week. Okay, one they have scored an exclusive streaming rights deal for Sesame Street. Uh yeah. five new seasons, fifty year
1: library, all going to HBO Max. This is that competing for families yep. thing, mm-hmm. right? Where Disney Plus obviously has all that content. Apple's trying to do some of that. And here is um, HBO Max wanting that.
0: And uh, this is the this is huge news. Uh, HBO Max has scored exclusive US streaming rights to the Studio Ghibli movies, the Miyazaki movies, which yeah. have never been anywhere before on streaming and are incredibly hard to get digitally in any form.
1: Yeah, there there are a handful of later ones, like Ponyo is an example somebody brought up, where they they did get a run on like Stars and that and there was a Stars deal with Netflix for a while and so like Ponyo was on Netflix for a little while. So there are some exceptions, but in general, Miyazaki movies have only been available on home video. That, and this is the great Japanese animation director Haya Miyazaki. We've done a whole series of episodes about his movies, one by one on The Incomparable. So great. And we do these episodes, and John Syracusa and me and a bunch of other people are talking about these great movies. And then we always hear from people who are like, is it really not available? Digitally, like you can't buy it or rent it on iTunes. You can't stream it on a streaming service. It's just not available unless you buy the disc or go to a, like a movie theater and see it because they screen them there. Um, and it's true. <laughs> like it's one of the great frustrations that this stuff has never really been freely available. The library has not been freely available on a streaming service. So it's going to be on HBO Max. It's kind of gigantic because that those movies are are treasures And it's also interesting because they used to have a very close relationship with Disney. Disney released all of their movies on home video. And that relationship ended. Uh, G Kids took over the disc distribution. And um, so I heard from several people who were like, I I thought they were tight with Disney and this would go on Disney Plus. And it's like, well, no. I would say exactly the wrong time that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. And although I'm sure Disney could have bid for this and perhaps did bid for this, it it went to Warner. So it'll be on HBO Max. It's a big deal. These are movies that uh, some people have not seen just because they were not available readily on streaming. And they're so great. So it's amazing that they're going to be on HBO Max. It's another reason it's going to be hard. See, this is the thing. Everybody's like, yeah, I don't need HBO Max or I don't need Disney Plus. And then you see what's on it and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, It's gonna. the libraries are going to keep getting better. They're going to keep making deals like this. It's gonna, they're going to make it as hard as possible for you to not subscribe yep. to their service. All right.
0: Today's episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks can help you save time If you're a freelancer, if you invoice people, if you work for yourself especially, with their super simple cloud accounting software, they simplify tasks like invoicing and expense tracking. With getting you paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for their over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork I am such a fan of FreshBooks. We have been using it for the entire time that FM is around, and I've never thought about looking anywhere else because they make everything so easy. I love the fact that with FreshBooks, when you send out an invoice, it can show you whether it's been opened, it can show you whether it's been printed. It puts an end to those guessing games of, hey, did that person get that invoice? And you're having to chase it and... Just deal with all of that stress, all of that time wasted in trying to track something down. And to make things even easier, FreshBooks can also automate late payment email reminders as well. So you don't have to chase things. You know, if people have missed their date that you've given them, like, hey, pay me in 30 days and it gets to 40 days, you can have it automatically sent out a reminder. So you don't have to do that chasing. And one of the other things I love is when you log into FreshBooks, you get your notifications there. And it will tell you, like, these are the things that changed since you were last here. These are the things that need your attention. It's like a little personal assistant when it comes to dealing with what's changed in your business. It really is awesome. I love FreshBooks. If you ever send invoices, if you ever track expenses, you should really be giving this tool a try. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. Just go in and try it out yourself. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade. And when they ask you, how did you hear about FreshBooks? You say from Upgrade. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show. That's FreshBooks.com slash Upgrade. Thank you for their support of Relay FM. So, October event, Jason? Um, mm. We were expecting mm. one.
1: Uh, we're at this point goading Apple to send out invites, uh, but it feels like it might be a bit late. Yeah, We're practically daring them yeah. to not like put an invite in people's email tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
0: But even if they do, we can still, this conversation will still kind of bear true because the reason we're expecting uh, an event is because there are lots of products that we're still expecting this see. There's also smoke around a lot of products. So, kind of from a high level, we're talking Mac Pro, MacBook Pro, maybe new iPad Pros. What about a tile competitor, AirPods? What about streaming bundles? All of this stuff. There's loads of rumors around this stuff. And There doesn't seem to be any expected runway of when we're going to see these products, because we would have expected there to be an event next week, which at this point seems incredibly unlikely.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since they did an event with a week's notice. Mm -hmm.
0: It'd be very upsetting because we wouldn't have drafted, but... Uh, we will. I want to talk about these products, Jason. I want to go through them a little bit with you. Where are they currently at right now? And then we can maybe talk about why we may have not seen anything. So the Mac Pro being the first one, this is a product that we know exists. This is a product that is due out this year. Yes. And we would expect it to be very soon, right? But there's been nothing since WWDC. Yeah.
1: I mean, if we make the analog the iMac Pro, Mm -hmm. the iMac Pro, there was nothing after it was announced at WWDC until it shipped at the very end of December. Yeah. So that could be the model here. And, And let's be honest, the Mac Pro, while our audience, a segment of our audience cares about it a lot. Is a low-volume product that is cared about in very specific circles and not broadly. Those Mm -hmm. people are paying attention. It does not need a broad consumer launch. Um, This is one of those when we were talking about doing an October event uh, that would be like, well, if you're going to do a Pro-focused event, of course you would use that opportunity to talk about the Mm -hmm. Mac Pro. But But they're not
0: worried about getting this one out before the
1: holidays. Right, exactly. It's not not a big not going to be a big holiday seller. Stocking maybe, <laughs> maybe by the end of the year, one of the nice things about getting out by the end of the year is companies that want to load it into their you know capital budget, especially a big buy like this. You and can, I have no
0: doubt that's why it's a it's coming expense. before the
1: end of the year. In the same way, right. the iMac Pro.
0: But if it comes on like December twentieth, like it probably doesn't make too much of a difference.
1: Exactly, and if they put it up for sale on December first or something like that, then and ship them all you know toward the end of December. It it doesn't really matter because it's not it's not part of the holiday rush. It's just a thing that they need to do in parallel, and so you know they don't need to talk about it more on a stage somewhere. They already did that, right? They they already mm-hmm. gave it time that is probably even the time at WWDC is probably not a great use of their time, given how many of them they will sell. Even though it's an important product and they did it as a gesture, it's you know it's not for the masses. So yeah.
0: But we have no reason to expect that anything's changed here, though, right?
1: No, I, I, I imagine at this point, I kind of imagine that it is on that iMac Pro track where it'll just kind of come by the end of the year, and there will be that moment where they put up the ordering, where there are a bunch of stories about, oh, can you believe that Apple's making a computer that will cost a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like there'll be those stories, <laughs> but um, you know, I it's it. they don't they can do it just like the iMac Pro if they want to so MacBook Pro so uh, there's been some more stuff going around over the
0: past couple of weeks so there's uh, this is the 16 inch MacBook Pro that we're expecting with a new keyboard obviously a bigger screen 16 inch and potentially some new processors it is effectively everybody's wishes just funneled into a computer. This yes. will be
1: an ultimately disappointing computer
0: for many people because there's way it, too much writing on it right now.
1: It's gonna have it's gonna have rainbows, yep. like literally a rainbow logo. It's gonna have oh, the yes. best touch bar ever and also no touch bar. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have the best keyboard ever. Um it's gonna be like, yes, it is everybody's dream of a MacBook Pro poured into it so inevitably disappointing mm-hmm. <laughs> um because of unrealistic expectations but the rumors for this continue to say that it's coming soon
0: yep and there is again like more kind of stuff happening so one thing was that somebody uh, it was a i want to find the website a french uh a website called mac generation uncovered icons that appear to be a different macbook pro um in the current beta of uh or at least the first couple of betas of mac os catalina um and it seems to show a when especially when you put it side by side with the current kind of um iconography or like what what are these used for like somewhere in the system just like images like of of icons Icons of
1: of servers that you connect to or you know yeah
0: And then when you compare the current one to the the updated model, you can see the bezels are slimmer. Uh, People, including yourself, zoomed in uh, and could see maybe it doesn't have a, a touch bar all the way. Right, maybe there's some like an escape key and that kind of stuff. But there's stuff continues to appear about this machine. There, Min-Chi Quo is still saying it's coming. And Digitimes uh, published a report today, and I'll read a quote from Mac Rumors. Apple's widely rumored 16-inch MacBook Pro will be available by the end of October, suggesting that an announcement is imminent, according to a supply chain sources cited by hit-or-miss industry publication Digitimes.
1: Ooh, Digitimes burn! That's why I hit wanted to put that miss. one in there
0: in a quote, because like, you know, it's, it's referenced maybe being not the most reliable, but there is a... Anybody who reports on rumors um, and and that kind of stuff, especially supply chain stuff, will not budge on this machine being out, not just this year, but by the end of this month.
1: Right. And so this is the... I think this is the core of probably a discussion that apple had at some point which is do we have enough to hang an october event off of but i think the answer and we'll talk about the ipad but if if this is the real big hardware product that's coming like do you do a whole show just for a laptop a mac laptop that you know apple has shown that they can introduce new hardware without an event um they could do an event if they wanted to but they could just as easily do a bunch of briefings for journalists and make a press release announcement and put up a video and call it a day for a lot less effort. So it may be that uh, I-, I think you could build an event around this product, but you don't have to, mm-hmm. I guess, because they- they've managed that. I-, I have analyzed somebody posted a uh, a little animation of the two. Uh, icons of the current MacBook Pro and this MacBook Pro back-to-back and, like, flickering back and forth. And you can kind of see, like, the suggestion that there is a uh, a little gap on either side of what would be the touch bar. Presumably that's the power slash touch ID button on one side and maybe an actual escape key on the other side. Uh, but, you know, it's... It, who knows? Who knows how, how right that is? But uh, I I... I I think it's telling that we have not had that big uh, rumor story from somebody in the supply chain saying, you know, wave it off. It's not going to happen. So it sounds like it is going to happen whether there's an event or not.
0: Um, I think a potential reason, if there is no event, that there will be no event. Like if they were going to build... So there's other stuff we're going to talk about. Maybe stuff got moved around. But if they were thinking about, will we build an event around this machine? I think one of the reasons they wouldn't do this, I think it's going to be a very expensive computer, right? Like we've seen, right. those, we've seen those reports... I think this thing will be, no, you will not get one for less than $3,000. And it will sit at the top end of the current MacBook Pro line, replacing nothing, just yep. being an addition. And I think it would be very strange for Apple to have an event where, I mean, even though it's a pro focused event, where like they're showing off the Mac Pro, which is going to be massively expensive, and the MacBook Pro, which is going to be massively expensive. And maybe they don't need to do that considering that both of these products will be pretty niche in their ownership um, if sure. anything just because of how expensive they're going to be yep uh, but then there are some consumer focused products as well uh, well there was there was rumors yeah. of an updated iPad Pro um, but this has maybe been pushed to next year new cameras, new processors, that kind of thing but the most recent uh, rumors that I saw is like it's going to have a completely different camera module that it, and it has like additional sensors, right? That like 3D sensing thing, camera, right? Like time of flight, I think it's called. Yeah, that's right. And so that's, that's going right. to be but in next measuring. year's iPhone. So they might want to hold off um, on that, right? Because maybe they don't need it right now. Yeah, but,
1: it, it strongly suggests that this is uh, that the iPad Pro is on an 18 month schedule, not a 12 month schedule, which is fine. Which kind of makes sense, and that they'll they'll bump the processors and change this camera technology but not until next spring. And that that rumor has circulated recently to the point where I think all of us who carefully, <laughs> closely follow the iPad kind of nod and go, all right, it's not going to happen this fall.
0: But there's still this tile competitor, the Apple tag, right? Like the thing that you can attach and it
1: will work in Find My. Yep. Everyone's been expecting this. I mean, people have talked about it. There's a lot of evidence for it. I It didn't get announced when everybody thought it would. And so I think you have to ask the question, just because there's been a lot of uh, smoke around this, is there any fire still going on there? I think that's the thing you have to ask is um, this product could exist. I'm sure it did exist. Does it still exist? Is it, is it not ready? Did it end up not working? Did they look at it and say, this isn't you know good enough for us or we can't make enough money with this thing? I don't know. Um, but that is the question because it sounds like a cool product and a consumer product and one you'd want to roll out and, and get people to know about. But if you really had it ready to go, you would have done it at the iPhone event and they didn't. So I think it's an open question just because everybody said there's lots of evidence for it. I I have no doubt that they worked on this product and that it exists. But the question is after air power, especially like, Let's not discount the possibility that they decided not to release it or it's just not ready and they decided to kick it into next year. And there's also lots
0: of rumors about uh, new AirPods. Um, we've been hearing about these for a while, so AirPods with noise-canceling in them. Uh, right. There has been some... I wanted to kind of collate a bunch of reports to give a, a very basic overview. AirPods Pro is the idea of what these purportedly be called. Uh, almost Also rumored to launch in October probably for $260, is where the rumors are right now. Metal design, water-resistant with noise cancellation, and we've also seen hints in the 13.2 code of a new design, so like having the the little tips that go in the ear, uh, along with sliders that could be included in Control Center to adjust the active noise cancellation. AirPods are a big product for Apple. Um, yeah their product holiday product too good, fantastic holiday product one of I think Apple's most one of their most culturally significant products in a long time probably the most since uh, since the iPhone right it's just like mm-hmm. as an, an item that has hit mass cultural appeal right like people know what they are it's like a thing that people have on their body right like in the same way that you'd have the white earbuds um and that was weirdly like it became culturally significant after being around for like a year um it's right just kind of like hit like it hit a critical mass and airpods exploded and it became a meme for a bit and stuff um i think that this product makes a lot of sense um uh maybe like if they're gonna if they're gonna have it this year it, it would come about now because you again you want that for the holidays and the, the, the lineup of what this product could be makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know about metal design. That seems weird. I don't know if they need that. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. But uh, noise cancellation or active noise cancellation in a product of this size is something that is beginning to exist more and more. There are some Sony headphones that are doing this now, some Bose headphones, I think, that are doing this now, like in-ears. So it would be a cool product for Apple to have. And to have multiple products in an AirPods line, I'm sure is something Tim would love. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this. I would be very surprised if this product didn't launch this year, uh, maybe even more so than the MacBook Pro, because this just feels like if they've got something in the hopper right now, this makes a lot of sense, right, to get out immediately
1: if they can. Absolutely, and and you, this is another product that would have, been, have had a lot of success in being part of a consumer media event, right? Mm-hmm. Consumer special event for them, but they didn't launch it in September. So where are we with it? This is one of those, a little more of a head scratcher. Like Apple can launch anything without an event. It's not a problem. So they may just do this and put it out there. Also, I have to say, I think it's also possible that you look at something like the tracking tile or the AirPods and think, maybe they have some production issues where there are only so many of these they're going to make. And maybe not the worst thing in the world to not stoke up even more demand for a product that they can't ship enough of for the holidays. So you put out there what you can, and you sell every one of them. But maybe you don't need an enormous launch. Maybe you let the uh, the ramp-up be slower, because you are still not going to be able to make enough in time. I don't know.
0: Like the original AirPods, right? Very, very yeah. constrained. For exactly, a
1: exactly. So why go to the trouble of all the extra marketing and all the extra time of building a media event if... You know, you can you you're, you're going to be able to sell everyone you make anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: And lastly, I think one of the other things we've been expecting this year, as yet to come, may never come, uh, media bundles. But there was a report a few weeks ago from the Financial Times that they heard from sources that Apple is talking to people in the music industry about a super bundle. So probably the idea of, as well as their other things, so like TV and arcade, also including Apple Music into a larger bundle that they will be providing of all of their services. So I'd kind of maybe thought that the, the bundle was dead until I heard this. Uh, it seems that Apple is still trying to shake some trees as to whether this is a, a service they would like to offer. So this is kind of like as where we stand in near yeah, towards the end of October, uh, these are all of the things that we're still expecting to see at some point, and there's been lots of smoke about all of them. Um, but maybe, as we said, maybe it's not already, maybe only some things are ready. Uh, what do you think here, though, out of this list, would Apple most realistically want to launch by press releases? You know, like, remember they did that wild week of press releases? Sure. Do you think that we could see something like that? And if so, what is most likely, in your opinion, to be launched that way without? kind of convening the world's media
1: i think the truth is all of these products could be launched with a press release and some media coordinated media coverage Mm -hmm. all of them every single one of them um and you know who knows as we sit here today on a monday morning as we record this in in california who's to say they could do it this week they could do it next week they could just roll all this stuff out announce a price and release date for the mac pro announce a new laptop announce a tile competitor, announce new AirPods and just drop those off. They could do all of that. Media bundle, who knows? I mean, they can literally anytime they could throw that out there. My guess is that will happen later because they're about to launch Apple TV plus and they've got the free trial and all Mm -hmm. of that. So I think they're just going to end the year of free. If you've got a new device, like I I think they can go for a while with that. Um, And I do feel like without the iPad pro, the, idea of doing a pro focused event loses a little something like it made sense when it was a new Mac pro uh, MacBook pro and iPad pro. But when iPad pro gets pulled out, uh, it is a less compelling event. It's more like a couple of, here's a laptop and um, a bunch of little gadgets and that's a less compelling event, I think, which might be, you know, one of the reasons why it appears that they won't do it, but I think they could do all of these. I think to varying degrees, right? Like obviously the MacBook pro, you want to have people get their hands on it and uh, under embargo and then talk about it and do some interviews and podcasts. And I, I know that this would be a bigger launch event in some ways than that, that IMAX speed bump where we you know did the interview and all of that. But again, that was an example of a product launch where there was coordinated media, but it wasn't an event. Mm-hmm. And they could absolutely do that with, uh, with that product. And some of these other products even less. I mean, they can do coordinated, like the AirPods, if there are new AirPods, they probably would want to do some coordinated media for that because they want some stories out there saying, oh, I use these and they're great or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I think they could do this all by press release and a little bit of behind the scenes work and not need to call people to an event at a theater somewhere.
0: And maybe they will if they're going to have any of this stuff, because it certainly seems like there will not be an Apple event, another one this year. It's un-
1: it seems very unlikely, at least. Apple have earnings on the 30th. On the 30th, yeah. It seems, it seems like we've run out of time. It, it's still possible. I still keep thinking, like, Apple TV Plus launches on the 1st, and it makes me wonder, like, could you do an event you know, would they do an event that was like an Apple TV plus launch event that also they threw out some products in? That was something we toyed with. um, We talked about like doing something in LA on the 29th or something Mm -hmm. like that and having it be both of those things, having it be kind of an Apple TV premiere event and then also make some product announcements. But that's also a little weird crossing of the streams of their different kinds of products. So maybe there's nothing. Maybe the fact is Apple can get attention without calling an event. So maybe that's what they'll do. All right, let's round out today's episode, as we always do, with
0: some hashtag ask upgrade questions. But before we do, let me thank our final sponsor, and that is Pingdom. Pingdom are amazing because they help keep your site and the sites that you love online. Pingdom monitor your website so you do not have to, giving you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. The internet is an amazing thing, but it breaks all the time. Pingdom detects 400,000 outages online every single day. Day And that is just of the websites that Pingdom is monitoring. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company or something in between. You need alerts about any critical website issues so they can be fixed because you don't want something terrible to happen, right? And Pingdom can help you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of an outage. And they'll also track and analyze the load time and responsiveness of your website so you can see what's affecting user experience. It doesn't have to just be like, is my website down? But maybe it's running slowly and Pingdom can help you with that. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a no-fuss approach to help you get started. All you need to do is give them the URL that you want to monitor. They take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now, and you can get a 14-day free trial of no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. That is pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial And use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So hashtag AskUpgrade. First question comes from Jamie. Considering the success of Apple's A-series of chips, so the chips that go into their iOS devices and more, what do you think the new form factors could... TV programs matching This Is Us. This Is Us. It's happened again. What is going on today? Siri, you to chill out. Do you want to hear the next fight? No! <laughs> Stop! What is going on,
1: Jason? I don't know. Maybe you've been hacked. Why is this happening so much today? Very peculiar. Hmm. Anyway... It was the A-series processors, I think. But still,
0: though, this doesn't happen to me. I say this stuff all the time. Jamie's question was, what do you think that new form factors could be if Apple goes to ARM processors for the Mac? Could we see the Mac Mini become as small as the Intel Nook?"
1: Um... You know, I love that size because it's so tiny, but I think the answer is no, because the fact is Intel Nook shows that you can do it with Intel. You can put a bunch of ports on it and it's uh, little and it's uh, great. Mm -hmm. And Apple didn't do it. Apple kept the same size for the Mini. So I think Apple makes design decisions based on their own, you know, their own choices and priorities and all of that. And they've decided that... uh, they want the Mac mini to look like that. So I I don't, I I think Intel has products that are capable of doing all sorts of interesting things. That's not what makes, it drives Apple with Mm. its decisions. Because I even think like, oh, you could say, oh, maybe they can make the
0: laptops even thinner and lighter. But I expect when when Apple inevitably moves to ARM that they won't do that. They will want to get their gains for other things, right? So if you keep the laptops around the same kind of size, imagine how long the battery life could be. And they right. might go for stuff like that as opposed to changing the form factors immediately. Uh, Daniel writes in and says, I am in need of your help for a solution for system storage issues on my Mac. It's currently taking up 40 gigabytes. Um, Daniel has a small hard drive. Uh, it's tried disutility in cleaning out files, but nothing seems to work. I'm open to any and all thoughts about how to deal with my storage crisis. What do you what do you think? If you have any any hot tips on this one, Jason? I mean, the thing is, right, the system storage stuff. So uh, Daniel has a one hundred and twenty gigabyte uh, SSD as the startup disk, and it's taking up forty gigabytes of system. There's nothing you can really do about a lot of that, right?
1: Yeah, it's weird because like I'm looking at mine, and my system is ten gigabytes. That's it. Yep. Hmm. I'm
0: thinking something's gone wild here. I mean, could it be? Uh, what is that thing that was introduced?
1: Um, could it be APFS stuff? The two in it? I don't think so. I don't. I don't really know what's going on here. It's. It's. Uh, this is a tough ask upgrade because I don't have an answer. Um, well, my and- system storage is 91 gigabytes.
0: So, huh? I, don't know. I have a two terabyte uh, hard drive though. I don't SSD. know. So all I would suggest is the only thing that I could recommend is using an app like Clean My Mac or Daisy Disk to see if it can maybe give you something. Um, there might be some like backup stuff going on. Maybe it's like Time Machine. Could that be in it, right? And it's just not dumped it all off onto. I don't know. I don't know about thought stuff. Also, something weird. If you haven't,
1: if you haven't tried it, because he says uh, Disk Utility and cleaning out files. If you haven't tried it yet, go to About This Mac. Click on Storage and click on Manage. If you haven't tried that, try that because that will open the System Information app, and it will show you all sorts of stuff that's in your uh, in your on your disk that you might be able to delete. But you know, when I look at that, the System entry is grayed out because the system is intended to be just sort of this thing that you don't touch. And in fact, on Catalina, it's literally a thing you can't touch. It's mounted read only, so. I don't know.
0: Try that. Try some of those third-party applications outside of that. I don't know. If, if any other, If any uh, upgradians have answers that they can pass along, please do. Greg writes in, Do you think the Apple Watch battery would improve from eliminating force touch, the force touch layer, in a similar way that the removal of 3D Touch did for the iPhone? Um, I'm not sure how critical this uh, method is, this interaction method is to watch usability. What do you think?
1: Um, my guess is that it won't do much because on a very small screen, there is just a very small amount of, of, uh, sensor and, you know, tension monitoring you need in order to get the mm. sense that something's being depressed. I don't think it's going to, it's going to save you what it would save you on an iPhone screen. Um, but then again, every little bit counts on an Apple watch. I'm sure that if they like the, the truth is that that, uh, force touch on Apple watch is kind of pointless. Like, it's very not discoverable. And it's been the, buried as well. Yeah, in the software place over time. I mean, really, the place that you use it is on the watch face in order to do custom watch faces. But again, it's not super discoverable. Could they just turn it into a tap and hold? And would that be just as uh, discoverable? Um, probably. So, you know, I think Apple has definitely decided that the, the, force touch dimension is not a useful user interface thing and that you might as well just do tap and hold. And so of course they're going to look at that for the Apple watch, but it, you know, it wouldn't, it, it actually, because they've gotten rid of it on the iPhone, I would not be shocked if they got rid of it on the Apple watch, even if it isn't a great savings, just because they're feeling like telling people to push harder (laughs) is not a thing that they want to do anymore, that they've kind of like decided that didn't work and they're going to move on. Um I would say
0: though if there is uh some kind of gain to be made I think for the Apple Watch you take the thickness gain not the battery gain like make the device a little thinner because I yes. think the Apple Watch desperately still needs that I Agreed. think it is way too thick um, yep. and that they should be doing everything they can to try and make that thinner and thinner over time because I know people have had issues with the always on screen but the battery life is great like it's it's still great it's still an all day device it's it's fine Matthew says, after listening to Upgrade 252, I was thinking about transitions in video technology. VHS to DVDs was rough. I lost access to lots of my movies this way. Do you think owning digital movies like on iTunes is a safe bet for
1: future-proofing my collection going forward? I, yes and no. I think access is probably going to be maintained. Like if you buy something on iTunes or Amazon or you've got it in a Movies Anywhere collection I bet you that's going to last a long time. I think what you are not going to get is what you usually get out of a, a format transition, which is improved quality. Like that's that's the thing where you are going to still need to buy it again if you want the four K HDR version. And Didn't you buy iTunes, it do
0: that though. Like if you, I mean, I know this is, I know what you are saying. You can't always bank on it, but I am sure that like you got upgrades to like so HDR.
1: Apple has updated some things um but a lot of other things not like if you mm-hmm. bought an if you bought a standard def movie you didn't get hd i, th- I think yeah. you didn't get hd although movies anywhere i believe did do some of that so if you bought it in standard def and then it it was a movie that synced to movies anywhere then you got it back in hd it's weird some weird stuff in there but i think that's the thing that that is going to bug you in the future is is that you're just going to have these Things where you're like, oh, but now it's 4K HDR, or now it's 8K, or whatever, mm-hmm. however many Ks there are, and you're gonna have your old 1080 version, and it's just dumb old HD. That's not good enough, and you'll have to buy it again. It would be nice if you could pay an upgrade fee and whatever, but you know, or just get it upgraded for free because you bought it. But that will be, I think, what they'll what they'll have you do for those purchases where you, where you own it, you know, own the streaming rights without it being on a streaming service somewhere.
0: And of course, you know the other thing about owning it digitally like that is you don't necessarily always own it. Like if it's a DVD, no, you at least always yeah. have the DVD in your physical possession. And
1: exactly. If things. the if the uh, if the service goes away, you know you're banking on on that service continuing on movies anywhere or Amazon or iTunes uh, to continue having that in the library. And I, those services are so huge that I think that that's not a bad thing uh, to to bet on. But yeah, if you've got the disc, then even if the services all die, as long as you've got a disc disc player or can buy another disc player when that one dies, you will have it. And you can, if it's a Blu-ray, and you can rip it, and then you've got the file. Like you know, yes, that's that's still the trade-off. The problem with the the really beautiful four K HDR stuff is that that stuff is not generally something you can rip today. There are some that you can, but it's like, you, you don't, you can't, those tend to stream only. Um, then again, you know, what I've been doing lately is, um, movies that I really want to have. I have been buying the 4k HDR disc because I have a 4k HDR player and a 4k HDR TV, and that has the highest bit rate and they're beautiful, And they generally come with a digital code that will pop the 4K HDR stream version into my iTunes library and movies anywhere. So, you know, I've been doing that. But that means I do have that disc, which is the highest quality. And um, if the world ends and somehow I still have power on a TV, then I can watch the movie. Alex asks, will I be able to watch
0: Apple TV Plus shows on my Mac running Mojave? Not having access to 4K is
1: fine, but I would like to watch it in 1080p on my desktop. There is a Uh, web version. The web, yeah, you'll be able to watch shows on the web, and they'll be in 1080p probably, and that'll be fine. So yeah, but you won't get the TV app
0: because the TV app is Catalina
1: only. Right, Mac. You just watch it on the web, yeah, and only only certain Macs can do 4K anyway, like the latest MacBook Pro and iMac's from 2018. Or seventeen and eighteen, it's it's a, a limited group of systems that can do full four K streaming, and the rest of them just show the the HD version, even on Catalina.
0: Finally, today Adrian asks, "Does it bother you that Todoist isn't updating their app for multiple Windows support for iPadOS anytime soon?" Uh, I picked this question not just because of Todoist; it's to, to talk to air grievance that I have, which is. So many applications that I use are not doing anything with multi window right now. And it's frustrating because right. this is a feature that's not gotten off the ground. It's a very slow start. Yeah. And most of the apps that I want to use in multi window, nothing. Crickets.
1: I just got a beta of an app that I use all the time, that, and the beta enables multi window. And I had that moment where I thought, well, okay, multi window, but how am I going to use that? And then I, I immediately realized, Oh, I can put these two windows side by side and have two different, (gasps) like I had that moment. I'm like, Oh no, that's actually pretty cool. That's kind of what I want. Um, so, you know, it's a, the multi-window stuff. I think there's a real question about how many people are going to use it. It's a power user feature. I think in the long run, it has a lot of benefit, but it's, it's a weird feature and it's limited, but there's also a, a whole chicken and egg thing happening here where, um, you need to have the apps for people to discover use cases for them. And, you know, I think it all goes back to the iOS 13 betas being rough. And we know developers who have had to prioritize getting their apps to work right on mm-hmm. iOS 13 mm-hmm. over any other any other priority, right? Like, mm-hmm. next is add features to the iOS version. And then after that, you do the Catalyst version. Like, It what might have in a perfect world taken place this summer, you know, has stretched over. You know, it's going to stretch over six to nine months of them doing this. So I'm hopeful that we'll get more of those windowed apps on the iPad uh, soon. But I kind of understand why they they aren't all there because, you know, if you've got to choose. To get your ma- your app running properly first, <laughs> you got to do that first and then and then go on from there. So I'm starting to see it. I've got two apps, actually, that I use a lot on my iPad that both have recently gone into beta with multi-window support. So they're working on it. Um, and who knows? Maybe Todoist is too. But uh, that's why it's happening so slow. And it's frustrating because there are good uses for that stuff.
0: If you would like to send in a question for us to answer at the end of the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade to open the show, hashtag SnellTalk. If you want to find show notes for this week, you can find them at Relay.fm slash Upgrade slash 268. Thank you to Zapier, FreshBooks, and Pingdom for their support of this show. Uh, If you want to find Jason online, he's at JasonL. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason writes at SixColors.com and hosts many shows here on Relay FM and also on The Incomparable as well. Uh, and so until next time, say goodbye, Jason
1: Snow. I draft AirPods. <laughs> okay.